Hey, this is Jacob Bergai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. And see, see, the enemy doesn't mind that we, we hear the word of God and we actually know the promises of God. Where he gets nervous is when we act upon the promises of God. Where, where he starts to attack is when the believer actually takes a hold of the word. That's why the Bible says don't be just hearers only, but be doers. Someone say doers. And so, so all across this nation, every Sunday, there is people sitting in churches who are just hearers of the word. I know that's not you because you're at Thirsty Thursdays. Come on. Someone say Thirsty Thursdays. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I've probably seen it on a commercial for B-dubs or something because everybody's drinking on Thirsty Thursdays, but you're drinking something else. Come on, somebody. Anyway, that's another message for another time. We don't have time for that. And, and, and so for the enemy to launch an attack on you and I, he would love for us to get discouraged. Now, I, I, I studied, I had a whole nice intro all laid out for you and stats and all this stuff, but we're just, we just going to go in. Are you ready? Because I, I feel this word. Discouragement is to lose courage or hope. It is to become overwhelmed or lose heart. Have you ever been there? You may be there right now. I'm glad you're here. See, when you get discouraged, it's easy to want to quit. It's easy to want to stop doing the very things God has called you to do. When you get discouraged, many times you start to doubt the promises of God. You start to even doubt that God is real when you get discouraged. Discouragement says, what's the use of trying anymore? This God thing doesn't work. This church thing doesn't work. You've been trying and, you know, it hasn't worked in your life. Just turn me down a little bit in the monitors, guys. A little hot up here. I like it hot, but it's hot. (laughs) Discouragement says, what's the use of trying? You might as well give up, right? You might as well throw in the towel. And we find a character in the Bible who dealt with this spirit of discouragement that actually turned into a a spirit of depression because if you don't take out the spirit of discouragement, it becomes a spirit of depression. We found this in the life of Elijah. And we go to our text, it's 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 5. You'll see it on the screens. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger, messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it so ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. Come on, he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He was so afraid and discouraged that he didn't want to be around anybody. And that's usually what we do when we get discouraged. Verse 4, while he, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush or a tree. It's in another translation called a juniper tree. 
And he sat down under the tree and he prayed that he might die. Have you ever prayed that? Hmm? I think if I were to be honest, there's a few times in my life where I prayed, God, it's okay if I don't wake up tomorrow. Right? Because of discouragement, because of depression. Yeah? I, th- I think if we're all honest, we could say that. And he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Here's a few thoughts on Elijah. Elijah had a close relationship with God. Elijah was a man of faith and power. Many people witnessed the greatness of God through the prophet. Remember, he was a prophet. He foretold things to come. Many people witnessed this greatness and this power through the prophet Elijah. Elijah had helped the widow, you remember, and her son when they were down and out and had enough for one more meal. Elijah told the widow that God would provide. She was ready to die, where we find Elijah right now. She was discouraged, and Elijah encouraged her. Stay with me here. Later, her son died, and Elijah asked God to bring him back to life, and God did it. Someone say, God did it. The widow's hope was was restored through the faith of Elijah. Elijah did many amazing works by the power of God. But the Bible shows us that even great people of God can get tripped up by trials and challenges. Never think you're exempt. Never think you're exempt from the enemy. Actually, the moment you take a step up, whether it's in position in a church or on a platform, know that you are not exempt, but you are a target for the enemy. Anytime you take a spiritual step forward in the things of God and you say, God, okay, I'm really going to walk this life out. I'm really going to read your Bible and I'm not just going to wait to see it on the screen on Sundays, but I'm going to read it and I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to have common union with you and I'm going to have this relationship. Just know the moment you do that, you're a target for the enemy. Hmm? Here's Elijah. He had encouraged thousands of people, I would say. And here he is at his lowest point. Elijah, the man of faith and power, is now the man of paste and flour. (laughs) Where are you at, Elijah? Where is your God? Hmm? Has any enemy ever whispered to you in your ear, where's your God? He left you, didn't he? You're all alone under this tree pinning your suicide note. Where's your God? Where's your God? He's nowhere to be seen. All that was a show, Elijah. You really didn't believe that your God could deliver you, did you? How many times the enemy gets us to believe a lie, gets us to believe that God can do it for someone else, but he can't for us. Let me tell you this, friends, that God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. If he set someone else free, he'll set you free. If he healed someone else's marriage, he'll heal you. If he delivered someone else from drugs and alcohol, he'll deliver you. God can and God will. Elijah is threatened by this evil queen, Jezebel. He felt as if his work had been in vain and that no one else was supporting him. Felt totally alone, totally vulnerable, and totally hopeless as he sat under this tree. 
being human just like you and I, all the thoughts begin to run through his head like a race. I might as well end it. I might as well quit. I'm not good enough. I failed God. God would never take me back after this failure. God God would never restore me after this. All the thoughts that go through our human mind when the enemy tries to get us discouraged, we're going through Elijah's mind. And here Elijah was sitting there discouraged, sitting there wanting to quit. Have you ever wanted to quit on life? Have you ever wanted to just give up on everything? Yeah, been there. Let's consider the effect that it had upon Elijah. Here's a few signs of discouragement. Maybe you can relate. It caused him to exaggerate the negative and underestimate the positive. Doesn't it always? Don't we always zero in with laser focus on the negative that's going on? And we don't praise the positive things that are happening all around us when we're discouraged? I'm about to preach. I hope you brought your shouting clothes. You may want to give an offering on the altar. I don't know. They did that at our old church. I'm just saying. Don't make me go Pentecostal up in here. Number two, let's consider a few signs. Number two is it drove him into isolation. And doesn't it drive you and I into isolation? We stop coming to church. We stop being around people of like precious faith. We stop opening our Bible. We stop being around maybe our spouse or our children because of this discouragement that we're feeling. Number three, it caused him to sulk in self-pity. God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's got a horrible marriage. No, you're not. I'm the only one whose kids are out living in the world. No, you're not. I'm the only one that's going through financial trouble. No, you're not. I'm the only one struggling in my walk. No, you're not. This Elijah syndrome of self-pity hits us, doesn't it? And we throw our own pity party and no one attends. But us, me, myself, and I all RSVP'd and showed up. But no one else did. You ever thrown your own pity party like me? Right? None of y'all. You're lying up at church. Come on. And the fourth thing we see that is a sign of discouragement from the life of Elijah is that it caused him to be irrational. Rash decisions when you were discouraged. Don't ever make a decision on a down day. Don't ever make a big decision when you're in the valley because you're vulnerable. Don't ever make a decision when the enemy has you pinned down. Because it will be an irrational decision that you make. And the fifth thing that we see from the life of Elijah is this. It took him off course with God's plan for his life. When the enemy gets us discouraged, takes us in a different direction. God can be screaming in our ear, rerouting, recalculating, recalculating. And a lot of times you're like your pastor who's got the microphone on his ear right now. You don't listen to the recalculating voice of that lady. Why is it always a lady on the MapQuest? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. I guess because they got 20,000 more words than men. Any, any, anyway. 
recalculating, but we ignore the voice of God. Hey, I I didn't want you to go that direction, but I'm going to let you because I'm God and I give you a free will. And you can do you, but I don't want you to do you. I want you to do me. I want you to line up with me, but I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. So here's Elijah. He's discouraged, and it got so bad for Elijah, it turned into depression. Depression is a serious medical condition. I believe if we're honest, everyone in here experiences ups and downs in their life, but for some people, the downs can outweigh the ups. It's like seven day, or six days out of the week, you're down, and you only got one day you're up. We got a problem. Huh? I'm just laying a foundation. Is this okay? Because I'm going to preach here in a second. And, and, and so here's Elijah, and, 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 and he, he now was dealing with discouragement that turned into this depression, and he wanted to take his life. He wanted to take his life now. And, and, and what, if we're to look at his life, what made him want to quit? What, what causes us to do the same thing, have the same irrational thoughts? If we were to be honest, I think we could say it's a wrong perspective. We, I think we focus on the wrong things, don't we? And, and two things, just real quick, and then I'm going to give you a, a few keys that are going to help us defeat discouragement. Two things that we focus on, it, number one is we focus on the pain of yesterday, don't we? We, we, we look at yesterday. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? It's not wise. And I believe we make the same mistake and our perspective can sometimes be wrong. And instead of looking forward, we look back at the good old days. Rather than having faith to move forward, we find ourselves becoming discouraged and stuck in the past. And God doesn't want you to live in the past. If you think back, you look back. If you look back, you will go back. Mm. Mm. And, 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 and what happens is, I, I believe, we can miss, we can miss the moments ahead of us because we are paralyzed by the pain of what's behind us. We can miss it. And God had something great and we missed it because we were paralyzed by our past. Maybe our past failures, our past mistakes. We're paralyzed by past relationships. Past decisions that didn't go well. And we miss what God has in front of us because our perspective is that of yesterday. The wrong perspective focuses on the past with no hope for the future. A wrong perspective seeks to resurrect the good old days instead of looking ahead for even greater days. Listen, church. Fuel Church is not called to move backward or retreat. We're called to move forward with the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We're called to move forward. 
What God has done this year is great, but he's got even greater things. And we can't sit here too long. We got to celebrate. We got to throw a praise party for what he's done. We got to praise. And then we got to look forward to what he's about to do. Because don't think that all he's done is all he wants to do. What he's done has been great, but that's not all he wants to do. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all we can ask or think. Mm. So, so, so my, my encouragement for those who are, 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 have the wrong perspective and you're looking in the past is for you to take the rear view mirror of your past and rip it out and start looking through the windshield that takes you to your future. How many times are we caught looking? You notice the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield. It's smaller. And then God, God says, God says, I don't want my children looking in the rearview mirror. Take it off. Rip it off. You ever had a car where the rearview mirror fell off? Anybody driving one right now? Testify, I've had them. Yeah. The church van that we used to have had it. We tried to glue it back up. It kept falling. I got stronger glue. It kept falling. I was like, God, this is a sign. You don't want me looking back. I'm moving forward. <laughs> I receive your word. Huh? And so, some of you, some of you got to rip that down because these bouts of discouragement, they come and go. You can almost know the season of it. You, you almost know dates in your mind that it's going to hit you because you're looking in the rear view mirror and you're not looking through the windshield that takes you forward, that takes you ahead into your destiny. And God said, you got to take that and you got to rip it down and you got to get a different perspective. The second perspective that's wrong that causes discouragement is the pressures of tomorrow. They get us discouraged, doesn't it? Matthew 6, 34, it says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. The only person worrying about tomorrow is tomorrow. Not you and I. We're not supposed to worry. It says, Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> How many know tomorrow's going to come? It's going to come. How many times do we get discouraged and let today ruin our tomorrow? We worry about what it's going to be like for our kids, our grand. We worry about our job and we're, we're letting discouragement come in because our perspective is all caught up on what is it going to be like tomorrow? Is it going to get worse? And so then we begin to dwell on those thoughts and we begin to speak those words and we create our future. With the words that we speak, I got to keep moving because I want to give you these four keys. Are you ready for them? Four keys to help you defeat discouragement. Number one, you have to learn to protect your mind. Someone say protect your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. The spirit of your mind in this text, in the scripture is referring to a mood of the mind or a frame of mind. What it's saying is, we, I need you to renew it. Someone say renew. You ever had to renew your license? Renew your plates? Renew your insurance? You ever had to do that? The Bible talks about renewing our mind. Why do we got to renew our mind? Because we're out in this world and we're hearing all this junk, right? And we're, we're, we're seeing all this stuff on our cell phone, right? We're, we're, we're seeing all this negative stuff, right? 
and we're seeing things we shouldn't. And so the Bible says you got to renew your mind. You got to you got to reprogram it. You got to go back and renew it to the word of God. Hmm? What we think determines to a large degree on how we feel. 75, these are the stats, between 75 and 90% of sickness and disease is caused by stress in the mind. Those are numbers you can Google. It's between 75 and 90. I went on the low route, then went to the high, between there, depending on which report you read. 75 to 90% stress in the mind. Proverbs 23, 7, I'm moving fast. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What do you think about yourself? What do you think about yourself? See, How you feel is directly related to what you're focused on. Man, I want to really go in on this, but I don't have time. How you feel is directly, directly. Someone say directly. It is directly related to what you're focused on. What are you seeing? I'm not talking about your natural eyes. I'm talking about your spiritual eyes. What are you saying? What is your mind focused on? Because that's going to impact how you feel. Hmm? Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is of excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think on these things. Think on these things. Think on these things. So is there some things in your life? I don't know. Is there some shows? Is there some apps that you got to delete that are causing you to think different than what that scripture says? Is it lovely? Is it pure? Is it holy? Is it building you up? Is it is encouraging your faith? Because it's if it's not, then it's discouraging your faith and discouraging your life. So you got to, that, that, that's why the, you, you got to watch what you watch and listen to what you listen to and you, you got to guard your emotions. You see, your mind is a computer. It spits out the data that you feed it. What are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your mind? I, I, I'm in a habit, and, and, and it took time, but before I go to bed, I feed on the Word, not Facebook. The last thing my eyelids see is a scripture. The first thing my eyelids see in the morning is a scripture. Okay. Well, why, why? Because I want that in my mind. I want that in my subconscious while I'm sleeping. I, I, I want to dream about the goodness of God. And throughout the day, I'll just flip my Bible app on and I'll look at a scripture or I'll open my Bible. I, I love the Bible apps, but I love the old school letter to, leather to leather. I love the pages and some of them are ripped and highlighted and notes in them. I've had this Bible since Bible college. Dad gave it to me a long time ago. Had it recovered a few times. I I love going through this Bible and seeing the words of God. Quoting them out loud. Letting my ears hear it. Letting my ears hear it. Maybe it's been a long time since you've done that. And maybe that's why you're discouraged. So, 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 So we got to what? Number one, protect our mind. Number two, we got to pray to God. Here's what Elijah did. He's on the brink of ending it. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He went into this cave. He threw himself his pity party. And then all of a sudden, Elijah begins to snap out of it. All of a sudden, he gets a breakthrough, and the Spirit of God begins to minister to him. And he begins to cry out to God. And God begins to tell him, listen, I need you to go stand. 
Go up the mountain a little further. You're in the cave. I need you to walk up the mountain. I'm going to meet with you. And we know the story, most of us, that the wind came. God wasn't in the wind. The fire came. God wasn't in the fire. And then the earthquake came. God wasn't in the fire. But then there God was in the still, small voice. Still, small voice. Even when you think God has left you, he's still there. He's just waiting for you to get secluded and get in a solitude place to where you can hear him. See, it's not that God stopped talking. It's that we stopped listening. I think I'll go get the podcast as soon as Joel puts it up on this. I'm going to need this in the future. Yeah. It's not that God ever stops talking. Very interesting that Elijah heard the whisper. When I whisper to someone, I'm very close in proximity to them. God has never left you. He's right beside you. He's right beside you. Billy Graham said this, the Christian life is not a constant high. He said, I have had many moments of deep discouragement. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of our time. He said, I have had to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me or help me. (laughs) Billy Graham. Hmm? Another famous author said this, the less I pray, the harder it gets, but the more I pray, the better it goes. Are you seeking God in your discouragement? Spiritual comfort comes through prayer. Shut the world out and have some time with God. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know God's not afraid of your discouragement. God's not scared of your sin. He said, present whatever's got you down. Whatever you're dealing with, bring it to me through prayer. Bring it to me. Usually prayer is our last resort when it should be our first resort. Usually we're on Facebook telling everybody our problems. Instead, we need to get in his face and tell him our problems. Get out of Facebook and get in his face. We tell everybody else, when's the last time you told God? He said, I'll take them. Come to me. Let me know everything you're dealing with. Because you know why? He already knows before you even come to him. But there's something when you come to him and you present them to him. Something takes place in you. Hmm? Prayer can change anything, and prayer can change everything. I believe that. Number three. We're just looking at a few keys here. I only got two more, and we're done. We're going to pray for some people tonight. How to overcome discouragement. Number three, you've got to understand the power of your praise. You've got to understand the power of your praise. David said this in Psalms 42.5. Why am I discouraged? Question mark. Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my Lord. Notice what David said when he was at the lowest of lowest. He was discouraged. He said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He said, I'm getting out of this funk that I'm in. I'm getting out of this valley of discouragement. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back to something that I used to do. 
I'm going to praise my God again. And if David was rehearsing what God had done before, and he was saying, you know what? I used to praise God, but I let discouragement get me down. I used to be coming to church excited, lifting my hands, singing songs unto God, worshiping and praising him, but I let discouragement get me down. I let, I let hope vanish from my life. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to praising my God so that I can be encouraged once again. My God, sometimes we come in on Sundays and I, I, I feel for the band. They got to look out and see you looking like a dead floppy fish clapping your hands. Like, Lord, we worship. Lord, we praise you. Really? Really? And we go through the motions and we forget that there is power in our praise. There is power. Praise and worship is a reminder. It is a reminder of who God is, of his faithfulness in our life. It is a reminder that no matter what we're facing, we can tap in to a supernatural presence that we didn't have before we walked in. When we open our mouth and praise him, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. If you want the presence of God to drop on you during a discouragement, time, have a praise and worship service, and watch God inhabit your car or your closet or wherever you praise. Huh? This is where we begin to focus on the securities of God and not our insecurities. This is where we focus on God and, and give him attention. We praise past our feelings, and we tap into the presence of Almighty God. We tap into it. I'm going to tell you what, there is something powerful about music, especially praise and worship music. There have been times in my life that I have been discouraged, even depressed. There have been times when I need an answer and I'll put on a hill song or I'll put on a Jesus culture or elevation. I'll put it on and I'm telling you what, the presence of God will drop and the anointing will drop in my car. The anointing will drop in my bathroom wherever I'm at because there is power when we begin to open our mouth and declare who God is. Quit declaring what you're going through and start declaring who God is. Come on, somebody. I have found many times of discouragement when I thought I couldn't go on. And I turned on my iPod or my iPhone and I began to sing praise and worship to God and it set me free. My Lord. Isaiah said it like this. I want to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He said, I, I, want to, I want you to change your clothes. See, some of you got the garment of discouragement on, the heavy garment of depression on. And in this Bible, I don't find that for the life of a believer. We're not supposed to walk in that. I understand there's seasons and times we do, but it's not supposed to be every day. We're supposed to live the life of faith and joy and peace. And, 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 and the Bible says that I want to trade your garment. You, you had this garment on, but I want to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So you got to get some new clothes. Hit your neighbor and say, get some new clothes. Get some new clothes. You see, see, I was thinking about this. We take coffee breaks, right? I mean, like coffee breaks. I love them. I've had five cups today. Love them. 
We take rest breaks, right? We take lunch breaks. I mean, like lunch breaks. I love lunch breaks. When it's time for lunch, let's go to lunch. I love it. But why don't we take praise breaks? Why do we come into church and we just think, you know, I'm here. I got to be happy I'm here. I'm going to throw in a few dollars in the offering. I'm not giving my green apple, but I'll throw in a few dollars. Some of you all get that on the way home or listen to the podcast and get it. I'm here. They ought to be happy I'm serving once a month. I'm here, and we look like a bump on a log. Dear Lord, a frog's got more praise in its breath than us. A horse makes more noise than us. A donkey, a pig. And we come in to serve the living God, and we sit there. Well, that's just not my personality. I don't think praising God and having passion for God is a personality type. I think when you realize that he set you free, that you are bound by sin, that you can't help but to praise him. See, I see some of you praising your Colts, and I see some of you praising IU basketball. I see some of you praising your kids at the programs, and that's great and rightfully so. Then why can't you come into God's house and lift a praise that will break the spirit of heaviness over your life? I told you I ain't preached all month. I came to preach. Don't get nervous. It's only 8-11. God can answer in a praise. (laughs) So many moments where God answered in a praise, in a worship moment that I've had either corporately or by myself. The problem is we got to stop letting the enemy weigh us down with discouragement. We got to stop it. We got we got to stop it. We got to we got to stop letting the enemy weigh us down with discouragement. We need to start declaring with our mouths this that my purpose outweighs my pain. That I am going to go through pain, but my purpose outweighs it. We need to declare that my destiny outweighs my history. Though my history is tainted messy. My destiny outweighs my history. We need to declare that my crown outweighs my cross. And though I'm bearing a cross right now, I got a crown waiting on me. We need to declare that God's grace outweighs my shame. Come on, somebody. We need to declare that the blessing outweighs the burden I'm carrying right now. We need to declare that God's favor outweighs my frustration. Praise takes our minds off of our situation and focuses them on God. Hmm? Paul and Silas knew what it was about. They said, you can chain us up. It don't matter. We're still going to praise our God. Some of you get a hangnail, spiritually speaking. You're upset that you can't eat out six times a week, and you think the world's ending. You're upset that you can't get Starbucks five times a week. And oh my God, I'm going through a trial. You ain't going through spit. I just spit when I said spit. Did you see that? That was cool. I didn't plan that. That was the Holy Ghost. You don't know some of the people's stories in here. You don't know their story, what they're facing right now. Stuff. People that come here every week, lift their hands praise their God. You say, man, I want that passion. I don't know if you want that passion that they have, because I don't know if you want what they're going through. 
See, there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. And some people have matured in Christ to the point where their circumstances are not going to affect their praise. Because despite what happens in my life, despite what the devil throws at me, despite what happens to my children and my marriage and my finance, it does not matter. When I come into the house of God, I came to praise my God. I came to declare who is greater than my circumstances. I came to declare that my God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Some people have tapped into the secret. It's not that they're not going through anything. No, they're going through hell. They just, they're just determined that hell isn't going to get in them. They may be walking through hell, but I'm not letting hell get in me. I'm going to praise my way through. I'm going to praise through. I'm going to break through. Huh. Jesus. I want to keep talking about praise, but I got to move on to the fourth point. Worship team, come. Fourth thing we got to do to defeat discouragement is we got to get busy with God's plan for our life. Some of you have let discouragement get you off track from the purpose of God in your life. Did you hear that? Some of you have let discouragement get you off track of the purpose that God has for your life. It's more than just clocking in and clocking out. You were created for so much more. I say it like this. You were born on purpose for a purpose. And it's a kingdom purpose. And until you discover that, everything else in life will be a struggle. It'll be a struggle. It'll be a struggle when you're trying to obtain things and stuff and thinking that's what life's about. Keeping up with the Joneses. That's what life's about. Outdoing my other family members. That's what life's about. It'll be a struggle. It'll be a tension in your life because that's not the purpose you were put on this earth. What on earth are you here for? It's for an eternal reason. It's for an eternal reason. And you've got to find that. And that's what Elijah, God brought Elijah back to that purpose. I love this scripture, John 6, 27 says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I've never seen this scripture before till this week. Watch this. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. Who gives your purpose? The Son of Man, Jesus. He gives your purpose. And he says, when you begin to work for food that endures to eternal life, when you, when you, when you realize that your purpose is more than just physical things, but it has to do with spiritual things, it says, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. God says, I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose. And I want you to discover it. I'll show you what it is. But you got to seek me. You got to seek me. You got you to run after me. You got to run after me. You, you have to get with me to discover your purpose. Elijah 
discovered it. God said, I need you to go back, Elijah. I'm not done with you. There's a few more people I need you to pour into. And he begins to name them in verse 15 and 16 of 1 Kings. Go back and anoint these kings. Go back and encourage them. Because God's not done with you, Elijah. You thought you were done, but God's not done. Stand with me, church. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.